Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again today. Let's jump right into it. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 10, we're going to start with verse 38 today. And this is another one of those conversations that Jesus had with different people in the Bible. And so this one that we're going to talk about today is with uh, one of his favorite people, Martha. And in this story, Martha is having a total meltdown and asks Jesus for some help. And what we're going to find out today is that time spent with Jesus is essential. Speaking of meltdowns, I I remember a story that I heard a long time ago about these two guys who were studying for an exam, and one of them kind of had a a firm grasp of of the, the words that they were having to define, and the other one was struggling. So the one that kind of understood a little bit more, he he decided to lay out a demonstration to describe the difference, to, to define these words for his friend. And so he picked up a telephone book, and he picked out a number at random, and he called that number, and on the other end of the line there was this voice. It was the middle of the night, and this person was sleeping, and you know, they said, Hello? And the student said, This is Andrew Jameson. I'm calling for George Mitchell. Is he there? And the person on the other end said, I'm sorry, there's no George Mitchell here at this residence. And so the student said, okay, thank you, and hung up. And he told his friend, now that telephone call, uh, I I just woke them up, and that person, of course, wasn't there. So that person was probably irritated that I called in the middle of the night. Now let me describe to you what it's like to be aggravated. So he picked up the phone, he called the same number again, called the same person. He said, hello, my name is Andrew Jameson. Is George Mitchell there? Well, this time, the person on the other end of the line says, no, he's not here. And I told you before he's not here. He's still not here. And he hung the phone up on him. And so we know that uh, this, this time, this man was not just irritated, he was aggravated. And then... He said, now I'm going to show you what infuriated is. He picks up the phone. He calls the same number again. The same person answered the phone, and he was mad this time. He said, hello? He said, this is George Mitchell. Have you had had any calls for me? (laughs) And the guy hung up on him. He said, now that is being infuriated. So he helped the guy out understand those words a little bit. So when we talk about Martha, I don't know if she was infuriated, but she was getting there. She was definitely aggravated. So we're going to pick up at verse 38. You follow along as I read. If you're driving, don't follow along. Keep your eyes on the road, okay? Now, this is what the Scripture says. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
So these two uh, sisters, they were they were uh, definitely built in two different ways. They had two different personalities, and so they were they were quite different. They lived together in this little town of Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem, and Martha was that that doer, that fixer, the person that makes those special moments happen. But Mary was more of a reactor. She was a thinker, a person who liked to sit and, and watch and notice and soak up those special moments. So these two couldn't be any any different. Well, the Bible has them actually in, in, another, in a couple of other stories. And so in John chapter 11, we know that their brother Lazarus, maybe you've heard of him, Lazarus had died. And, and Jesus was good friends with those three, and they sent word when Lazarus was just sick for Jesus to come, but he didn't come right away. He, come, he, he came a few days later after Lazarus had died. And so when he shows up, Martha hears that he's coming and he's almost there. So Martha, being the fixer, being the doer, she gets up, goes to Jesus, and she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now... I know that whatever you ask from God, He will give it to you. Jesus, I know you can do this. So do this. Fix it. That's Martha, the great fixer, the one that's going to make the special moments happen. But her sister Mary, according to that chapter, she stayed in the house. Experiential Mary. She wanted the experience. She was grieving. And after a while, then she rose up and, and said to Jesus, after He was in the house... Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she left it at that. The Bible says that she wept. And by the way, so did, so did Jesus. So we see their personality coming out in that story. Another time, in John chapter 12, it was six days before the Passover. And Jesus, uh, he went to Bethany again. And Lazarus was there. He, he had been risen from the dead. And, and they gave him a dinner. And, of course, Martha was serving. And Lazarus was at the table reclining with him. And, and then Mary, instead of helping serve, she took this really expensive ointment. And she anointed his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So again, Mary's working, Mary's getting things done, things had to be fixed and in place, it had to be perfect for Jesus, and, and Martha was doing that, and Mary, Mary was reacting out of gratitude, she was worshiping, and, and quite frankly, she was sacrificing a big chunk of change too, this stuff was not, not cheap. So Martha invited Jesus over and tried to honor him with her service, but Mary sat at Jesus' feet and honored her honored him with her attention and there was friction the friction between the two personalities and styles of honor came came to a head now i read an article on crosswalk.com by Jana white entitled lessons we can learn from mary and martha and i thought they were very insightful so i want to share those with you today one lesson is that true hospitality is always in style this is what uh, Jana writes when we're expecting guests, we try to make things right. I, I know we do. My wife cleans the house. She doesn't want anything dusty. And if there's a tall person coming, she's even going to clean the top of the refrigerator. We're going to have things right. And I, I want the, the food to be right and the, the house to be right. I want people sitting in the right place. And so we know that's a, that, that's a special time with that person. We want to honor them. And, and so we have to realize that welcoming people into our homes is, is a gift. It really is a gift. 
and we want the place to be pristine and decorated and 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 those things sometimes because we want to honor them sometimes because we don't want to get get embarrassed so so yeah we can open our homes and our hearts to to people in hopes that we can connect with them because hospitality is a way to connect with folks and it's always in style the second thing Jana writes is that comparison only breeds anxiety and discontent as, as we read this story we we find that Mary's in the living room in the middle with the guys and she's soaking up Jesus's words but Martha she she's in a she's in a full tizzy now some of you don't know what a tizzy is I understand that if you're not from around here you don't know what a tizzy is you may never heard of that that is a state where where someone can get to uh, because of stress that will push them to erratic behavior and and maybe to lash out at people because of that that stress it, it we call that a, a tizzy i'm not sure what you call it. it it's one step really away from a full-blown hissy fit now you may not know what that is or that that's just going off on somebody all right so martha wasn't there but she wasn't a tizzy she's checking on the food setting the table finishing the 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 planning, the desserts, all of the drinks, all of those things. She was on mission. The fixer was doing it, and she was doing it by herself. And there was anywhere between 12 and 18 people in her house at the time, according to the scriptures. So she's serving all these people with no help. I can just see her walking down the hallway and looking into the room and seeing her sister sit there doing nothing. And I, I think that if Jesus hadn't hadn't have been there, she just said, you know, Mary, get your sorry tail up and get in here and help me. You know, I, I can see her doing that. But because it's Jesus, she she went to him. And that's that's where the discontent begins. Martha Martha compared her her current situation with someone else's. And she realized that, you know, she came up wanting. Either uh either some, something had to give either she could take a break or, but really she wanted to get the job done so her sister needed to come help her anytime you try to compare jobs or compare statuses it's always an illusion for one thing it's never permanent but the the other thing is that you don't know what goes into other people's jobs you know what goes into yours you know what goes into your daily routine and what you're responsible for, what you have to do and how you do it, but you don't know how those other people do that. The truth is, no matter how it looks on the outside, you know, there's, there's work involved, and none of those things are the same. A comparison doesn't change, but it does steal our joy. It does, because it breeds anxiety and discontent. Janice says that it also, one of the things that we can learn from this passage is that when you're struggling, you go to the best source first. The best source first. When I know that when you're in full, you know, get her done mode, everyone else is not living up to your expectations, you really need to go to Jesus. And Martha did do this one thing right. She knows exactly you know she knew exactly who could fix things and so she marches right up to the man with the most authority in the room right she walks right up and tells jesus make my sister come help me this has to be done so you know no matter how she failed another thing she got this right there's something to be said about knowing who can help right 
So sometimes we're tempted to share our problems with everybody else. You know, you see it on social media. Everyone's writing their problems out there. Or, or they want to call a, a family member, probably mom, or talk to their best friend. Or, or, you know, out of love, they want to share this prayer request about someone else who's getting on their nerves. Maybe you've heard people do that. Well, Martha knew what she was doing. She knew she was going to the right person that could fix this. Another thing we can glean from this story is that you really can't tell Jesus anything. <laughs> you really can. And, and he, I love his style. He, he's so non-judgmental. Notice he, he, didn't, he didn't jump on Martha. He, he, you know, he didn't say, make your sister come and help you. Listen here, girlie, I, you don't get to speak to me that way. Don't you know who I am? He didn't do that. He accepts Martha in her frustration right where she is, and he listens to her, her anxiety and her stress and her tone without even flinching. That's what he did. And you have that kind of relationship with Jesus that you can speak honestly with him. You, you can. You can get all worked up and he's going to be calm. You can be right in the middle of a tizzy or a hissy fit and he's going to be calm and he's going to listen. He's going to tell you the right thing. You see, Jana's right when she writes, Jesus is your perfect friend and brother. Approachable, loving, and eager to listen. She also says that we can glean from this passage, we can learn from this story that the path to peace begins with one thing. One thing. I'm, I'm reminded of that movie City Slickers when Curly tells those guys there's one important thing in life and he holds up his finger. You know, if you've seen that movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just one thing. And they ask him what it is and he says, you have to find that out for yourself. Oh, how frustrating that had to be for them. Well, here she says that the path, to, the path to peace begins with one thing. One thing. So after Martha says her peace and counts to ten, you know, she offers, uh, uh, or Jesus offers her a, a different path to peace. He tells her Martha, and he says her name twice. I love that. Martha wants to get her attention, and then Martha to tell her, you know, I'm really concerned for you. Martha. Martha, you are, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. I can just see him holding up his finger. One thing is needed, and he didn't leave her to guess what it was. And Mary has chosen the good part. It's time with him. And that's not going to be taken away from her. Jesus reminded Martha, and, and, and us too, what we're to be most concerned with. And that's our relationship with Jesus. Here's, here's the truth of it. When we put first priority on being with Jesus, then we discover that we're never alone, never without help, then those situations tend to calm down some. We come to realize that, that you know, that we're going to face these things, but His grace is sufficient. He's going to give us a, a strong peace, and we're going to have the strength to face whatever comes. And that's the kind of truth that most folks need to hear. So Jan is a, a great author. I, I like reading her stuff. In short, she echoes Jesus' sentiments. I see what you're doing. I understand your frustration. Just sit with me for a while, and, and at least for a little while, until you, you cool off. Now, to be fair, sometimes the work is very important too. I mean, the job has to get done. Someone needs to hear the gospel. Someone needs to be fed. Someone needs to be given proper shelter. And not just that, someone's got to cook the meal. 
Someone needs to set up the room. Someone needs to clean up afterwards. So yeah, sometimes the work is very, very important, but the work can turn into something that's not good <clears throat> if it interferes with your with your personal time with Jesus. Here's the main point. Here's, here's where I'm trying to get to today. Don't get so distracted working for Jesus that you miss the chance to sit with Jesus. Don't sacrifice the, the best by settling for something that's just good. And physical acts of service are good. They are good. But building relationship with Jesus is better. Working, working for God is admirable. It's, it's admirable, but quiet times with Him, He desires those. So those are desirable. Serving God is important. Sitting with Him is essential. That, those things are, are, are very important. But we don't sacrifice the best by settling for something good. So don't misunderstand me. I, I did not say to sit and pray every time the rest of your church is doing a service project. That, that's not a, an appropriate teaching. We don't skimp on service. We don't. What I am saying is this. If your service for the Lord begins to take away from your time with the Lord, it may be time to take a break and sit with God for a while. Just for a while, though, because the work still has to be done. And, and you know when you've reached that point. You know when you reach that point because you begin to compare your work with everyone else's and get upset when no one else is working as hard as you are. That's, that's where Mary blew it. She didn't recognize the special moment she could have had sir, a sitting with the Lord. She sacrificed that time for service. And she compared herself to her sister because the anxiety that the wrong service time of that, of that time in, in her life. We can get so distracted working for Jesus that we miss the chance just to sit with him. So here's the things that we, we glean from this story and put it into our life. One is that we, we really need to practice real hospitality. Real hospitality. We need to be hospitable. We have to be ourselves, but we have to be hospitable. I remember someone saying a long time ago that they don't have those rooms that were set up for guests now. Their living room is for living in. So if you came into their house, it might be a little messy. And yeah, we make our guests comfortable with in, you know in those surroundings, and and we want to give our personal attention to them. And, and well, maybe that'll influence them to take steps towards God. You know, and, and that's what's going to influence, not the spotless furniture or the perfect meal that you don't usually eat. It's going to be your attention to them. So we need to learn to practice real hospitality. The second application is, is we we really need to quit. Uh, we need to avoid comparing workloads. We, we got to quit that. If God called you to do that work, do it. Don't assume that God called everyone else to do the same job the same way you're doing that. God probably called them for a work in ways that are not quickly uh, recognized by you either. So quit comparing workloads. And the third application is to check your motivation. Let your motivation to serve Him, to work for Him, work with Him, come from the time that you spend with Him. I've noticed that a lot of Christians get this backwards. They think that if they, they do all of this work for the Lord, that that's going to make them closer to Him. And that's not necessarily true. But what is true every single time is that the more time you spend with Him, 
the more you'll be motivated to serve Him. We, we think if, if we work real hard, we can be close. The truth is we, we're, going to be real, we're going to work to be really close to Him, and then our work out of gratitude will flow out of that. I remember when I was younger, I, I wasn't a Christian, and I, I wanted to be. So I worked really hard. I, you know, I went to, I, I witnessed a lot. I, I served as, um, you know, I was the president for the Teens for Jesus Club in school and, and in FCA. And, and I was super active in my youth group, went on every mission trip, every choir tour, every uh, class, every, you know, every discipleship training opportunity. I was there because I, I worked real hard so that I could have a relationship with God. But at 17, I realized God didn't really want my work. I mean, that was, that was a nice benefit, but he, he didn't do all of this for my work. He did all of this so that I could have a relationship with him and reflect his grace and his love and his mercy and his kindness to everyone else. That's why, that's why he saved me. And so I just kind of let loose of those things. Now, I still work very hard for the Lord. I do. I, I'm, I'm very active in my faith, and I, I live out my faith, but it's not because I, of a job that has to be done. It's because of the gratitude that I have for a God who saved me. In fact, that same God who saved me, He can save you. And that's why it doesn't matter what you've done. That's why it doesn't matter where you've been and, and what you were in the past. What matters is that you want to have a relationship with Him. And it's not about what you can offer Him. It's about what He can offer you. So if you would just give your life to Him and say, God, I want to get to know you more. And, and realize that in order to do that, your sin in your life's got to be dealt with because there's things in your life that you've done that He didn't want you to do. And you've got to deal with that so you can be close to Him. The good news is, is He sent Jesus to die on the cross to die for those things. And if you would just accept that gift, He would deal with that. All of that will be behind you. And your eternity uh, will be settled. You'll, you'll never be separated from Him again, ever. But you just need to build that relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, I want to pray with you right now. Pray with me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that we're not as close as, as we should be. But I want to be. Would you forgive my sins and come into my life and fix me? And I'll serve you the best as I can, but I just want to know more about you. Please open yourself to me now as I'm opening myself to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to know I, I, I'm praying for you. I, I want you to do well. I, I want you to do great things for the Lord. But more importantly, I want you to know Him, to know His peace and His grace and His joy. That's yours now. That's yours. So hold on to that. Hold on to that. And the service and the work and the good things, all of that's going to flow out of that gratitude of, of mercy and grace that you have for God. He's pro you. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. He wants you to succeed. He, he wants to bless you. But you got to meet him. You, you got to meet him halfway. You, you, you got to go there and, and let him know you and you get to know him. And things will work out in the end. They will. Well, I'll talk about another 
uh, conversation that Jesus had next week from the book of Luke. And I hope that you come back and, and tune in then. And, and until then, be blessed. Have a great week. If you want to contact me, my number's on the, on the website, fbcclover.com. And, and you, my email, you can text me, call me, and I'll be glad to pray with you about anything. Until then, be blessed and have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time. Be blessed, and remember, God is pro-you.